Hello, this is The Bridge Between Fruits, a podcast where we find a connection not only between ideas, but also between people. And your hosts are Eduardo Delgado and Emilio Hernandez. Well, hello, Emilio. How are you today? I'm doing well. What about you? I'm doing just fine. And this week I've been thinking about something that happened to me some years ago, and I would like to share it with you. Tell me. Uh, well, it's in my first year working as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And how I work with all my heart and I dedicated myself fully to it with this holy concept of, of mm-hmm. um, getting inside the company and growing in it, you know, we all been there in a way. Yeah. But then suddenly changed and it was not, it was like within the first year, six months later, we had some change of bosses. And everything totally happened. It's like the new boss didn't recognize what I had done before. All the hard mm-hmm. work that I just accepted everything and I gave a lot of classes. So this new boss like really forgot about that. Well, not forgot because this person didn't leave it with me, but didn't care. So everything really changed for me because now it I was like some sort of an outcast for the company. Mm-hmm. And instead of being like this new promising star, I was just somebody problematic for the new boss. And it, it really um, changed not only like the way people see me, but also my behavior as well. Because I started like following that role of an outcast. Mm-hmm. So I want to know what you think about this. Do you feel like any divine factors when I play in this? Actually, what you're telling me sounds sounds familiar. Not only because, as you said, uh, all of us have been there at some point, um, but it sounds as if you were telling us basically the story of a myth, what a myth is. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I'd like to share with you a little bit about that. Please do, yeah. So probably we can start by, by saying that a myth is a narrative a discourse that regardless of whether it is factual or not, it is telling a truth about us as humans and we as a community, like you in your job, right? Uh, And your own truth as who you were and what your role was. So myths are powerful because this truth compels us to be and behave in certain ways. So to answer your question, You were following the power of the myth of that place. And when your boss changed, the myth changed with him. And you couldn't identify yourself with it. Therefore, therefore you couldn't adapt. Oof. If only I knew <laughs> this back then, maybe I could have behaved differently. But what you say, it's, real, it's really true and kind of horrific for some people, right? Mm-hmm. But... Now that we are talking about the meat and this uh, definition that you gave, you made me think of a character that I really love, that is mm-hmm. Superman. He's not my favorite at all. I'm a Batman fanboy. However, there is some powerful image. Sorry, there is some powerful images in Superman. Uh, what do you think, Emilio? Do you know anything about this? Is, is this something that you like? Well, I think you know the answer to that question. You know that I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of superheroes i think i see your point uh, on bringing this up now that we're talking about myths and how we feel or used to feel uh, at our work but i'm not sure what's the connection here can you elaborate a little bit mm, well there is a specific um, 
comic that I would like to talk about. Well, not a comic, a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. That is All-Star Superman. Well, you know, Superman has been around like for almost 100 years, well, more than, more than 80, but specifically okay. about All-Star Superman, in which here uh, Grant Morrison, who is the writer, presents Superman as uh, some sort of god that even mm-hmm. creates life uh, during this story. You know, he's like defeating these challenges that he's like facing, 12 in total. It, it makes me think of Jesus in a way. And at the end, he creates life. And it's kind of meta of Grand Morrison to do this because actually Superman at the end is creating us. And us, I mean, you and I, like this world in which we are living. And we even see like the development of, of our society. We even see Nietzsche creating this, the theory of the <laughs> Superman. And then we see uh, the creator of, of Superman creating Superman. So as I tell you, this is very meta of Morrison, kind of bold in my opinion. I, I wonder how Nietzsche would feel about this. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm not really sure. Maybe Superman is too positive for him in a way. Too much of a believer. <laughs> Maybe that's a word. That sounds quite right. <laughs> but what do you think of the imagery of God here being transmitted by Superman, that it's a comic for some people? Um, some people would even reject the idea of him being uh, a meat. Yeah, but as you said, uh, Superman has been around for some years, uh, but not only Superman, but superheroes as a whole, right? So I guess um, they they have, if I'm not mistaken, they kind of originated precisely trying to explain or give reason of certain social really big changes that were happening a uh, hundred years ago after the Second World War. So I, I, I am starting to see your connection here. And I think what you mean is that Superman is precisely representing how, same as it happened with Myth. First, we used to have a, a plethora of gods, but as history progressed, uh, those gods were syncretized or were assimilated into one single idea, uh, which is precisely monotheism, right? Um, regardless of the fact that we could call it Jesus or something different, it's that transition from having a bunch of heroes, a bunch of gods, and moving towards only one who has this, I don't want to say ability, <laughs> uh, but this possibility of creating, right? And how do you think this has affected us as a society? I mean, because we all have heard the uh, stories related to Zeus or different uh, Greek gods, and there is like this variety. But as you said, nowadays we we have like reduced everything to just one specific figure. And as you said, it can be Zeus or even here in comics that it's Superman. We have like the Justice League, they are seven, but mm-hmm. Superman is like the ultimate one. So what do you think about this? It's interesting. Now, I, I, I've never thought about that until now. <laughs> but it's interesting mm-hmm. to think which are the attributes that this Superman or this monotheistic god are assimilating and mm-hmm. which ones they are rejecting. Because, again, I'm not a fan, so I'm not well versed on Superman issues. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, he he's good, right? He avoids killing so he represents this 
idea of what it is to be good. And the first well, thing that comes to my mind with that is precisely uh, how Christianity gives this as one of the essential attributes of God being good. So with that, they are accepting certain traits, but rejecting others, right? Yeah, totally. And now that you ask, like, what he represents, and it's not just Superman, I think, in a way, it's like all of these uh, figures, divine figures that we have. But I have a specific quote from All-Star Superman that is, like, in the, the very last part of the graphic novel, like okay. issue 12. And, well, it says, I'm going to read it literally. You have given them an ideal to aspire to, embodied their highest aspirations. They will raise and stumble and fall and crawl and curse and finally they will join you in the sun and as you said like why does he represent well apparently he embodies our highest aspirations he's um just good right everything that we want or wish to be he is so how do you see this but i, I was going to say oh, at the same time are the things that despite being wished we can never attain like we as as humans are, are never going to be able to to be good in that pure and absolute sense you know uh, but it's what it, it's more, more than that is what he represents and what that representation is offering us so it's offering someone like a, a model, someone that we can believe in. And I, I was thinking that, of, sorry, how um, that's basically the idea of Plato in the Republic, right? When he's criticizing the gods, mm -hmm. he's talking about how, okay, yeah, Zeus, uh, everything is cool, but he, he's also a rapist. He's, he's a horrible person. Uh, and then we have, uh, I don't know, the god of war, who, who is a murderer, a mass murderer. Yeah. So why should we admire those kind of people and and, and play to things okay we can create a different meat we can create a, a, a meat with something that is good that offer us that ideal which excludes or rejects as we're trying to to discuss here rejects certain ideas which could be negative for us as a society and it's accepting and including and assimilating all the positive traits that are like beneficial for us I, you have uh, brought an, a very interesting point that i would like to go even deeper on this and i would like to also return to the quote because you said that uh, he's like this figure of goodness right some sort of perfection and uh, you ask if we are able to aspire to this in a way. And the quote says that we will eventually like join him in the sun. However, do you think these higher aspirations are something that we should pursue, but we will never achieve or like even meet in a way? They are just for us to try to be uh, good every single day without um, stopping. But at the end, we will never achieve that we will never 
in using this word, we will never join him in the sun because it's impossible for us because we are not him or we are not this divine figure. So do you think they are kind of like tricking us to be good? Because at the end, we will never join him in the sun. Two things that come to my mind. First of all, you're basically paraphrasing our definition of myth, right? We said that it's a narrative that regardless of whether it is factual or not, it is telling a truth about humans and we yeah. as a community, which compels us to behave and be in a certain way. So yeah. that's basically what you were saying. Uh, and the second thing that came to my mind is uh, Kant. He, okay. he, he's not exactly talking about myths, but he's talking about metaphysics in terms of this idea of a god which we cannot demonstrate there there's no way to demonstrate that it is true or, or false it is an idea uh, but because we are not and more or less that's how he he puts it in uh one of his critics because we're not angels because we're not perfect because we're not good uh, in nature we need something that compels us to behave in such way. For him, it will be both metaphysics and uh, the state and the law. Uh, but it, it is beautiful because he says that metaphysics is so helpful because we have to behave like that, even if it's not true. And it, I'm also thinking about uh, Pascal, how uh, he says that, okay, I have two options. I can believe or or not. If I don't believe and God doesn't exist, then nothing happens when I die. Uh, but if I don't believe and God actually exists, then I'm in trouble. So I better believe just in case that he exists. So it's a win-win situation. So answering your question, yeah, we have to do it regardless of the fact that it might be just a story and narrative in your words kind of tricking us to be somehow. I'm going to sound kind of like a critic, like a hater, like Tay Tay says, haters gonna hate, so I'm going to hate. <laughs> do you think we are then endlessly pursuing a lie just because it like for the best for us, but at the end it's just a lie. You, you are, <laughs> if you're gonna hate because that's what haters do, I'm gonna philosophize because that's what philosophers do. Okay, nice. <laughs> the fact that it's factually false, I don't know how redundant that is, doesn't mean that it's not true. So I wouldn't dare say that it's a lie just because it's not exactly like that. So again, just because it's the easiest example at hand, the fact that uh, Zeus never factually killed, uh, well, not killed, dethroned his father uh, by uh, being hidden by his mom and you know all that story of how he he was hidden and his brothers mm -hmm. eaten uh, just because it didn't happen doesn't mean that isn't telling a truth about who the greek people were you know 
in the same way that just because uh, Superman is a novel, a graphic novel, doesn't mean that it's not telling something about who we are, something true about who we are. Because we have that need of following something, right? Of believing in something, of having an ideal, someone to look up to, which can be that creative Superman. I mean, creative in terms of having the possibility of creating life. Yeah, I I, I, I see your point. And I, it reminds me of what Joseph Campbell says in The Hero with a Thousand Faces, mm. you know? And it will, he literally says that we shouldn't care about um, factuality, right? If, if, if our hero actually did this or he didn't, well, he or she didn't, we should care about the message, what uh, this person has to teach to the community. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what you're saying. Maybe it didn't happen, but that doesn't mean that it's not real or that it's a lie. It's some sort of truth and representation of what we are, mm -hmm. right? And then uh, I would like to move a little bit forward because I think we are like being too nice on Superman a little bit. <laughs> but uh, you, you mentioned that uh, he kind of represents this highest figure and that even I really like that you pointed out that like non-killing figure, you know, that mm -hmm. he would never do uh, any, anything yeah. wrong to, to, to a human being or to a being in general. However, I would like to go into a more controversial aspect of Superman and we have this movie from my favorite director Zack Snyder maybe some people are going to hate us maybe we won't have any listeners after I say this but um <laughs> I, that is man of hate you. yeah immediately <laughs> uh, hate is uh, reciprocal in a way right haters gonna hate <laughs> but I mean we have man of steel and man of steel is like a reimagination of the myth of Superman Right, and that's what uh, Saxonader has said. People should accept that it's his interpretation. He's not giving us like the ultimate Superman. He's just giving us his Superman. Mm -hmm. But the controversy mainly lies at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert! If you haven't watched it, he kills the bad guy. He kills mm -hmm. Soth, and people complain like he's the immaculate hero. He shouldn't do that because he's perfection. He's all good and no bad. But he did it. And to justify Snyder's uh, decision, I like to think about, again, Cam in Campbell. Uh, Campbell says that a hero is a person that is willing to give everything for his community, for, well, not his, to their community, to their people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why uh, Snyder decided to do this with um, this new interpretation of Superman. How do you feel about this? Do you think Superman is still a hero after he did this, or he isn't? Now he represents something different. How I would say that, that makes him even more mythological, isn't it? Um, now that you've mentioned Campbell, he has this uh, interview called I don't know the name in English, the Inner Journey, probably. Yeah, I think it is. I think okay, and uh, there he's talking about how myths represent, as we said before something true about ourselves. And we can see mm -hmm. that very clearly, again, in the Greeks, how uh, each or different gods represented a human feeling, a human passion, right? Uh, so if, if Campbell is right 
in stating that meat represents something about our humanity and he he uses junk right uh, to justify this how the archetypes uh come from a biological origin something in terms of our human nature is generating these ideas these archetypes these myths then Quite controversial means, right very controversial yeah <laughs> uh, that would mean that the fact that superman becomes more human by killing not because killing is human but because it's a mistake it's uh it's evil it's in a way embracing that evil that has already been there he's just becoming more human which at the same time means that he's becoming more mythological isn't it and i mentioned the example of of, of the greeks uh, greeks gods but what about jesus like isn't jesus so important for christianity precisely because he's human and god at the same time and that's the point of incarnation isn't it it's god uh, incarnating himself in a human without stopping being God. Which reminds me of this amazing book and amazing film uh, called The Last Temptation by Nikos Kazantzakis. The, the book and the film is by, we mentioned Coppola, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Have, have Staring you... at our dear Green Goblin. Yes with the green goblin right is this corsese sorry it's by martin scorsese oh yeah you're, yeah we were discussing yeah. about that i remember mm -hmm. have you seen the the film or, or read no the book? i i haven't had an opportunity but after this episode I'll, I'll take a look but please do tell us more about it emilio uh yeah my point was that there's well the again spoiler alert right um you know uh jesus is jesus jesus is the son of god so he has a, a mission and part of the mission is that he has to be killed. He has to be crucified in order to cleanse humanity from the sin. Uh, and it's called the last temptation because when Christ is about to be crucified, he's tempted by the devil. Uh, and this temptation is him being a human. So the rest of the book and the rest of the film is Christ uh, thinking what would have happened if he had accepted that. Uh, so he basically marries uh, Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. He has a family, he has kids, and he's living as a common man. Uh, and while living as a common man, he's walking with his family on the streets and he meets Paul, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And Paul, also Price, is talking about Jesus Christ. <laughs> And he's talking about Jesus Christ as the son of God who died for our sins. And Jesus listens to him and says, but Paul, I am Jesus. I am Jesus Christ and I didn't die for nobody's sins. I actually decided to become a human. So the Jesus that you're talking about is not the real Jesus. The real Jesus is me and I have a family. Look at them. And Paul is like, mm, I think I trust you. I think you're the real Jesus. But that doesn't matter. I prefer the Jesus of my story. Because this Jesus that died for our sins is the Jesus that the people need. Yeah. Uh, that's when we have... Uh, well, I'm not a fan of him. 
uh, of his, and I would not like to mention him, but well, we have Nolan and his Batman trilogy. Uh, the end, descending of the Dark Knight, right? Uh, when we were preparing this episode, we discussed a little bit about it. How uh, at the end, people need this image of some sort of perfection, even though it's not realistic. Um, Batman plays a role of a billion just to save his people, and at the end, we return to Campbell, like he's doing everything in his power to protect his people because that's what heroes do. But no, I, I, I wouldn't like to go any deeper on. Nolan's trilogy, <laughs> just because. Ah. <laughs> but I would like to return to Superman to what you just said, and this uh, Superman and the concept of comics. You know that comics have existed for a very, very long time, and superhero mm -hmm. comics have been around since the creation of Superman, give or take. You know, around those, uh, <laughs> around that. And very, something very confusing about uh, DC Comics and Marvel is that they have this infinite number of stories and you don't even know where to begin. Actually, if you are like some sort of a rookie about it, you don't know what to buy. So at the end, you don't buy anything, right? <laughs> but uh, for people that are actually like in the fandom, like very intense uh, reading these stories, analyzing them and criticizing them, they have this um, concept of the multiverse, multiverse theory, right? So we have these different supermen mm -hmm. that have decided to do many different things and achieve many things. And I, I, I think it's kind of connected to what you just described with Jesus in this decision making in which uh, sometimes he decides to be Jesus, the son of God, and he sometimes just decides to be Jesus, the a husband, human. right? A human Cosmic. being, and, mm -hmm. and that's that. And I would like to branch out like you did, but with these uh, two Superman stories. We have all-star Superman that at the end of his journey, he becomes some sort of god. As we said, he created even life, and at the end, he just lives in the sun. So he becomes the ultimate Superman, because after that, in, in the same story, we discover that there are other Supermen mm -hmm. that will exist after him, but at the same time, not after him because he's still there. He's in the sun. He's, how do we call it, omnipresent in a way. Mm -hmm. So we have the ultimate God within this universe, right? That is this Superman, the, the Superman of our era. But then if we visit a different story. This one in specific is by Alan Moore. Whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, we have a Superman. I, I read some years ago, actually, I, I cannot recall every single aspect of it. I'm very sorry for that. But we have the Superman that has to defeat uh, like his last deeds in a way mm -hmm. before like dying. So he defeats like all of his billions for the very last time. And then we see him opening a door. He mm -hmm. enters the door and nobody knows what happened to him. There are some myths about it. There are some stories, but nobody actually knows. But at the end, us as readers, we discover that he decided to just be a human, to be with Lois Lane. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's what you just told her, right, about Jesus and his decision of being just a husband. Well, not just a husband, being a husband, because it's not just. <laughs> but what do you think about that, Amy? Do you find the same connection that I do? Yeah, indeed. I... I... I see what you what you mean completely, and I think here we are starting to move around what makes a myth a myth, and at the same time why we love myths and these kind of narratives, right? 
And again, it's because they are telling something about us uh, and, and the importance of, we, we've always been in these kind of decisions, right? Uh, of course, not being the son of God and, or, <laughs> or, or a husband, but uh, we, it's something human having to decide and it's something human having to decide between two passions. Uh, yeah. So I guess we see ourselves on these stories, on these narratives. Yeah. And that's why they are so important and, and why we love these type of good stories. Yeah, it, it's totally a reflection of us. And as you said, it's this decision making is something that we all face in a way. As you said, not in the same magnitude, because possibly it's very unlikely that we will be the son of God. Who knows, right? But it's very unlikely. <laughs> uh, but it go, it, I would like to return a little bit with the... Uh, uh, world-related topic that uh, I started at the beginning. And sometimes we have this decision of going for this promotion or just staying the same or working harder or playing video games, going out with friends or giving this extra for obtaining a better life or higher aspirations in your work, better economic opportunity, better economical opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you said. We have to face these decisions and maybe we don't understand the magnitude because we cannot see ahead in the future, but they are there and they create this theory of multiverse, right? Maybe there is an Emilio and Eduardo that decided not to create a podcast and they are living a very different life. Maybe they are not even friends. How sad that sounds, but but well, it does. <laughs> there, there is this possibility, right? But what do you think about this work-related stuff that I use like? mentioned then it, it would be worth analyzing how could that be a myth because in, in a way uh it sounds or, or our listeners might think or might be thinking that then every story is a myth and i don't think that's exactly what we're trying to say here okay but just some special types of stories or narratives isn't it? So we need to find what of that situation, that work-related situation, could be mythological and what isn't. Well, I think what you just said is very powerful and interesting because not every story is a myth. And, and it's a little bit of what we just said, right? Not everybody has to decide between being a husband and a god. That's why our lives is not a bit. But at the same time, our lives are reflection of the myth. So it's kind of paradoxical because our lives are not myths, but they are myths because they reflect the myth, right? And I think the issue might be that we're focusing too much on the individual story. Okay. But in our original definition, we said that uh, it's telling a truth. the myth is telling a truth about us as humans and we as a community, not only as me as an individual. So maybe we could start maybe taking a a step back and okay. thinking about uh, this uh, Christ uh, myth and this uh, all-star Superman or just Superman as a myth, what they are telling us about us as a society, us as a community, and why that compels us to behave in certain way. Maybe there we could... Uh, clear this a little bit just to specify why this could be a myth and not just a random story. 
Oh, well, I think you're right. We have to specify why these ones are means and the others aren't, right? And well, instead of giving you a definition from a specific author, I would like to tell you, tell all of you, uh, my understanding of this, right? And I think um, myths can be, not necessarily, but can be connected to heroism, not current heroism, like superhero stuff, no, heroism uh, as Campbell describes it, right? That is a person who is willing to give his or her life to something bigger than themselves, right? And I think that's very important because when we are uh, doing our everyday life, we are not willing to do that. And maybe it's not even necessary, right? Because it's not our destiny or it's not the times that we are living in that require that. Mm -hmm. However, these people in myths actually do. So they are sacrificing everything because in superhero movies, comics, etc., we have this um, destroy hero or side hero. I, I, the first that comes to my mind is Spider-Man, for example, that he's always suffering. He's always sacrificing things and people. Like there is this, like let's say, common joke. Like Spider-Man has to decide uh, whether he lets her aunt die, or mm -hmm. he lets the rest of people die. As simple as that. Well, not as simple as that, but that's what defines Spider-Man in some sort of way. So they are willing to do that. Whereas us, maybe we are the reflection of the myth, but we are not willing to do that or we are not even facing that situation right that problem because that's not us or that's not our destiny in a way but how do you feel about what, what i just said that maybe that could be the answer to the question right um myths are not are our myths are, and they are not only random stories because they are giving us not only an ideal of someone to look up to but also a criteria on how to behave, right? They are defending precisely of because of what we mentioned in the beginning. They they incarnate this ideal good or um, sacrifice or any other positive attributes that we usually associate with these type of myths. And they are telling us what is right and what is wrong, and that might be also the reason why different cultures have so similar and so different myths at yeah, the same time. Totally. The imagery right. is different, right? But maybe the message can be the same. Mm -hmm. Like those repetitions, like we, we are always finding the same type of figures, even though they are represented by something else, by a different image, as you mentioned. And uh, before we wrap up the concept of power of the myth and the different representations that it has, I would like to focus a little bit on the the current representation that it has, and I don't, I, I'm not, and I don't mean Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. I mean us as society. Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, I was watching, well, well, watching slash listening to a podcast, and, and they ask like, who was the first influencer, right? Because right now we have this this terminology, right, influencers. And they start discussing about Plato, um, <laughs> different people around history, right? Napoleon in some sort of way. Mm -hmm. And then they arrive to our current time. And they give these names like the Kardashians, mm -hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm -hmm. 
and they start discussing how in the past uh, influential people were people of knowledge and now influential people are more aspirational like mm -hmm. i want to be like the kardashians i want to be like cristiano ronaldo and these different people like personally i am totally influenced by these people not the kardashians of course <laughs> well i mean i mean not disrespect but they i don't find any connections with them but personally i truly follow ronaldo's career and mm -hmm. in one way or the other i wish i i were him so what do you think about this uh, again current concept of meat in our society and how these people represent it or not basically you're talking about the meat on the day-to-day -day, right exactly yeah and in the present not not because price is not present right now but i think i i think i see your point yeah in the mundane life i mean yeah exactly um here i would like to throw a mouthful at you okay uh, which is <laughs> structuralism right okay and uh, the beautiful thing I, I have quoted uh straws before today but the, the nice thing of post-structuralism is basically that they discovered that uh things that may appear to us as random okay uh, in life they might be determined by a structure the easiest example uh that i can find Maybe not the easiest, sorry. The first example that comes to my mind uh, <laughs> is what Marx did, right? Uh, there are certain type of relationships uh, that humans have, certain ways of interaction, and those uh, interaction patterns are determined by the capital for him. And that, that same idea, it's what uh, post-structuralism is trying to explain. So, if there are certain relations, uh, if there are certain interactions and certain things that happen, they could be explained by a structure that it's that we are able to analyze, such as the the uh, the rules of chess, right? The rules would be the the structure underlying and enabling chess to happen. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So I guess I could give you an answer there. Because we could say that myths are everywhere. Not again, not because every story is a myth, but because myths are still here with us, right? Not I have quoted uh, Greek mythology a thousand times, but just as uh, Zeus was the present myth for the Greeks, we may have current myths that are structuring and permeating and enabling uh, certain types of relationships and maybe those myths are very similar to those influencers because so they we, talk to us mm -hmm. sorry sorry for that uh, yeah they actually talk to us yes i i agree with that and i see it well i see it i listen to it <laughs> but <laughs> so to conclude with this specific part, would you say that, talking about uh, football, would you say that people like Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi that are like um, the highest aspirations in current, uh, in the current sport uh, are our current myths? 
their lives, their careers are myths? I would say that they are the heroes. Uh, but the, I would say that the myth is a little bit bigger than them. Maybe okay. football. I was thinking about, uh, uh, for example, for, for Levi-Strauss, um, he talks about how there are certain myths, foundational myths, he calls them, that every single society seemed to have and that the structure that the behavior of that society at a very deep level. Uh, he discovers, for example, a, that the manners at the table, the way that we eat and that it's like civilizedly okay to eat is one of them. Uh, but also the way that the, the and it sounds horrible, not because he's defending this behavior, but because he's describing it, the role that women play as interchangeable objects in a society, a structure, the whole hierarchy of a society. But maybe uh, to talk about football, another thing may be the fact that societies are constructed around the idea of who is our friend and who is our enemy. And that often has as a consequence, well, war. Yeah. But if we think about the main objective of the Olympic Games for Greek people and for us, and the main objective of World Cups, it's usually breaking that barrier between friend and enemy in a friendly competition, which may enable us to free these inner passions that we have in a non-ideally violent way. That's why I would say that football might be the myth and uh, Cristiano or Messi, just the heroes. But because all of us can participate about this myth and and free those passions in a healthy way. For example, in our work environment, that was like our story at the beginning, what's the myth and who are the heroes? Uh, I guess all of us have heard these were the company scholars expression, right? Yeah. So we have to be part have. of the company. We have to be family. That's uh, the meat. That could be the meat. That's the, that's the narrative. And oh, of course, the values. And, you know, maybe that's the reason. I, I, I've never thought about this, so maybe I'm wrong. But maybe that's the reason why the mission and the vision and the other issues are so important uh, yeah. on a company right now, right? Because it's the narrative. It's the foundation of the, of the meat. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I guess it's, the, the answer would be there, right? We are so invested sometimes uh, in our companies, in our work, that we, we are just part of that, that myth. Yeah. Yeah, I see your point totally. And the issues, as you, as you call them, they, <laughs> they validate or they enable the myth, right? Mm -hmm. they, they make the myth myth. And maybe what can, sorry, sorry, um, uh, but maybe what can be confusing for all of us or even frustrating is if we are living in this meet, we find it hard to identify who the hero is because we like to believe that we are. But when we get this realization that we are not, frustration increases, and that's why we have so many people 
that lack motivation for working or for mm-hmm. keeping some sort of quality in their work. And we understand that. I'm not criticizing any of them. We, I'm just like doing this analysis, right? So my question and guess, but my question is who is the hero? And my guess is, is it these people that are like cases of success as companies call them, in which they start from the very beginning of their careers in that company and they become one of the most important people in the company, being the boss, the manager, the CEO or whomever? Do you think they are the hero? Do you agree with me? Before I answer to that question, mm-hmm. uh, just because I like being problematic, okay. <laughs> uh, I would like to say that it's not only difficult to identify who's the hero, but also and therefore who's the villain, right? Oh, that I understand why you want to be problematic. Yeah, okay. So who who are the heroes, those stories of success? I would say that in the in the myth, and I'm going to throw another mouthful here in the hegemonic myth okay. they are indeed the heroes right so uh, i i i'm thinking and i i'm a defender of the idea that this entrepreneurism entrepreneurship uh ethos is precisely a myth it's giving us uh it's trying to tell us a truth of who we who we are and it's also trying to compel us to behave in certain way as a community and as individuals uh, so yeah, of course we have, for example, uh, Elon Musk, right? He is the hero for many of us. But then, and that's why I was explaining that it might also be difficult to see who the villain is, because what happens if the hero is not the hero, uh, but actually the villain? Uh, I, I'm thinking. I, I know this is something that we may mention in the future again, but that's the point of the voice right the tv series what happens when homelander stops being the hero and becomes the villain for some but he's still the hero for some right he he continues being the myth in capital letters despite some people starts noticing that he might be actually the villain and so, returning oh yeah no no, no, no I, I mean uh, that the fact that people that some people because not it's not even everybody see you as the billion only makes your meat stronger mm. because you uh, the fact that you even have sides uh, make the people that follow you support you even more and if, uh, thinking of returning with football uh, i don't know if you have followed this but we have this like some sort of competition between Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Some people say that this competition has already ended because Messi won the World Cup. But back in the day, when they were younger and they were in their prime, people would really get into fights about this. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there were haters made the fans support even more, like the cause was even stronger stronger so and it's generating this distinction right between the en- the friend and the enemy yeah but at the same time it validates the meat of the other the fact that mm-hmm. there is this hate makes the other one bigger grows stronger as a myth right yeah well that i i would like us to avoid today 
the question who the villain is. Mm -hmm. But I think it's an, an interesting one, right? And maybe there is no right or wrong answer. Just it, yeah. it would be, it depends. And I'd like to comment on what you were saying, because it's a very good example how fans, uh, how, how the aficionado leaves the football. Because uh, we, we were talking about the structures, right? And about post-structuralism and how myths could be, in a way, if not the structure per se is the narrative that legitimizes the structure. Uh, by definition, strict uh, structures, sorry, structures are lived in. In other words, we inhabit the structures. And that's why they they uh, interpolate, as we said before, us in such a strong way, because it's part of the world that we live in and the world that we are uh, in that moment. So that's why this thing of uh, wearing the company's colors is so strong. And yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. Uh, uh, oof, there, there are many things we can say about this, but... As you said, the meat is something that we inhabit, so the meat is always there. It never disappears. We, as the performers, are the ones uh -huh. who, who change. And again, we can return to the conversation of comics being recycled all of the time, because the meat is always there. So the story needs to be told again, but we need to change the inhabitants. And for preparation of for the episode, we were discussing about remaking stories and how they are a constant nowadays. And maybe that is why, because the meat has to be there. Like we have three different Spider-Men, like Tobey Maguire, mm -hmm. Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. And every single one of them has their fandom in a way. We have some people that defend Maguire, some people that defend Holland, etc. Because the meat is there. So we validate the meat by doing this and we just change the performers, right? That that that's us. And I love and that's why I laughed. Uh, if if any of our listeners knows more about structuralism, uh yeah, it's it's nice that you're using the word performers, right? Because we're performing <laughs> the meat in, in a very deep way. And I, I, I'd like to, to start moving to I think the final point that we wanted to talk about today by commenting on what you have just said, how not only we are performers, mm -hmm. but also the story needs to be told. And I would like to add that the story not only needs to be told, but it also needs to tell something that we expect something from the remake, right? Yeah. And what I'm trying to say is that the story, the myth, we have some expectations about this story, about this narrative. And when the, the story, uh, when the remake uh, doesn't meet our expectations, then we complain and we help the director or the writer, whoever, we hold them accountable. And I think it's something that may happen. And to return to, the, to your anecdote about your job in the beginning, I think that's what you were doing when your boss uh, moved or disappeared and a new one arrived, the story was not telling you what it used to. It was not meeting your expectations. Uh, and you were trying to make it accountable for those early promises it had given you. But it but wasn't. What, 
but what happened? Yeah, and, and that's my question. And well, it would be possibly for our next episode, but what happens when the meat cannot be held accountable? Who is to blame? The performer, the community as a whole, or maybe the meat is just wrong, right? Mm -hmm. But let's jump into the conclusion because we are reaching our deadline in a way. And well, I would like to say, just to sum up some of our ideas that the meat is not a thing of the past, right? As we have discussed it. And it's that this is very important that all of us understand that it is not restricted to books and movies. We need to understand it in our lives so we can fully experience it or change it to live better. But sometimes it's not enough, right? Maybe it's not enough to change it. Maybe we need to destroy that meat. Maybe we need to destroy it to create a better one. Oof, that that's kind of like a uh, a hard concept to grasp. Um, th this last part that you just mentioned reminds me of the crisis that comics had in the 80s. Well, maybe not necessarily in the 80s, but after the Second World War, the meat was there. We needed this heroism. So Superman was created around 1938. So we had the perfect hero for the perfect moment in a way. We needed to be saved. But when the world war ended, we didn't need the hero anymore. So there was some crisis here in the comic book uh, world. But then we had this revolutionary man that hey, it may be controversial in many ways, but we have... Alan Moore, as I told you uh, some moments ago. But in this case, we have Alan Moore, um, well, best work ever, Watchmen. And well, and this attempt to deconstruct the myth of superheroes. But what can you tell, tell us about this, uh, Emilio? What are we expecting for our next episode? I think our next episode is going to be precisely on this, what happens when the myth fails. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Watchmen as the destruction or deconstruction of the myth. Perfect. And well, thank you very much for your time, Amy. It's always a pleasure to discuss with you. And as we always do, apparently that's what we do for a living now. And we'll <laughs> see you soon, everybody. See you soon.